So Farad, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Happy so, to be here. Yeah, I'm at your garage here in uh, East Moreland, uh, and you just kind of showed me around, which is kind of renovations you did to, to start this. So I just want to start off, you know, your origin story of starting Green Drop. Okay. So if you don't mind, kind of give a little background yourself and how this got started. Yeah. So all right, my background, so I grew up in Beaverton. Um, and I went to school at UC Santa Cruz after college, after high life. school. I mean, so here's here's my little uh, claim to fame. Actually, uh, there's two things I did in college that were of notes uh, that were outside of education. I uh, ran a I had a car that ran on vegetable oil. Okay. Um, and I was the banana slug for two years. I was I was <laughs> the mascot. Really? Right? So there's a picture. You know, there's a picture out there. Uh, Sports Illustrated. Uh, my junior year uh, did a, uh, basically named UC Santa Cruz Banana, uh, Banana Slug the mascot of the year <laughs> so I had this huge uh, that's story big time, I was big, that's, that's the big time that's the best job I ever had yeah. didn't make a dime yeah. could dance like a maniac slam dunk a basketball do everything I can't do as a mere mortal but wearing that 50 pound big costume I could do it so. that's, that's, a great, that's a great story so yeah so Banana Slug but um, you know, I graduated uh, in, in 2005 uh Degree in molecular biology. Okay. So my path was dentistry. I wanted to be a dentist. And I said, if not dentist, maybe doctor. My whole family, you know, we're immigrant family. I'm first generation here. They're all terminal degree, uh, PhD, uh, doctor, whatever. So the question was, do you want to be a, a doctor, a dentist, lawyer, uh, engineer? What would you like to be? Right. And, um, my family especially was very technical and, and engineering minded. My dad's a, actually taught at Portland State. He was a computer science professor. Okay. Um, and, uh, and the reason actually we came to Portland was because uh, my dad got a job as a professor. So I um, so went to college and I said, I, I really want to, you know, I want to be a dentist. And I studied molecular biology, really enjoyed the sciences, uh, got really into organic chemistry. And, but then I started taking some philosophy classes too, my junior and senior year. And, uh, just upper division. And they'd always ask, you know, why are you here? You don't need this. This isn't a prereq. I said, I just enjoy it. I'd rather get a C in an upper division philosophy class than you know, an A in a, a lower division or an intro class that I didn't really care about. So I was studying for the dental test. I'd, from Santa Cruz, I drive to Berkeley every weekend um, because that's where the, the Kaplan Test Prep Center was. Right. right. Um, and I'd, I'd drive on vegetable oil. I had a 1982 Mercedes diesel that I converted to vegetable oil in the woods of Santa Cruz. Up in the- and back then, I mean, that was... Just yeah. the weird, the, you're the weird guy. I was the weird guy, even by Santa Cruz standards, right. you know, they could smell me coming, they could yeah. smell like fries, right? Right. And uh, I bought this, that's a different story, I could tell you a, a half hour story about how I bought this car for $400 and uh, I traded surf lessons with this person who sold me the car, but that's a different story. But So I had this car that ran on vegetable oil, I'd go to Santa, uh, Berkeley, and my aunt and, and cousins uh, lived in San Francisco. So I, Friday night, I'd, I'd get to San Francisco, um, spend the night in, at my aunt's house, Saturday go to Berkeley, come mm-hmm. back, Sunday go to Berkeley, come back. Um, and I'd study in between at, you know, at my aunt's house. And my cousin's a physician at uh, uh, UCSF, I'm sorry, at uh, San Francisco General, and then she's, in, I think, an associate professor at uh, UCSF. So medical family, right? right. She's my, my cousin's a doctor, true and true, wanted to be a doctor forever, and that's her life's work. But one day I'm sitting and studying for the dental test, and she said, she sat down next to me. She said, do you really want to be a dentist? And I said, no. She said, then why are you studying to be a dentist? So I closed my books. Two weeks before I took the test that I had already paid for, 
few months after I paid thousands of dollars for this Kaplan course, and four years after I had studied molecular biology to be a dent, go to dental school. And I had actually worked with a dentist for a summer. I did my pre- everything. Everything was set. Um, I was set to go to dental school. So I said, I don't know what I want to do, um, but I know it's not this. And my aunt made me write down on a piece of paper, I, I don't want to be a dentist, and I wanted to, what do I want to do? And I said, I don't know what I want to do, but it has to be uh, new and interesting, uh, fun, and do, um, do well for the world. So I wrote it down, and I think she still has it. And you know, my dad said, son, just take the test. So when I called him and told him, I said, no, 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 because if I take the test, this is the first time I, I thought this way. If I take the test, um, it'll leave a door open. And if times get tough, I'll go back. I'll fall back to going to dental school. Right. So I don't want to do it. If I want to take, if I want to go to dental school, I'll, re, I'll go restudy for it. But I'm going to leave that door closed. So then that was the great wide open. Like a Tom Petty song, right? Great wide open. Came back to Port Beaverton and uh, didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I didn't want to get a real job. So I put an ad on Craigslist, I'll convert your car to vegetable oil. You know, someone called me and I convert yeah. the car. What year was the timeline? What year was this? 2000, time? the fall of 2005. Okay. Right. Um, so I saved up enough money. I, I went to, to uh, Europe. I traveled, did the backpacking thing okay. on 50 bucks a day, including hostels. And uh, I came back and was converting cars to vegetable oil. I bought a boat. I lived on a boat. <laughs> In 2006, I bought a boat. Uh, I'm sorry, 2007, I bought a boat. I had saved up enough money, and the banks, this is before the credit crunch. So they said, how much money do you make? And I hadn't filed taxes because I was making cash. So I make 200000 a year. <laughs> they go, here's your boat loan. So I got a boat, and I had a mortgage on a, a, mortgage on a boat. And uh, here in Portland? Like Hayden Island, okay. yeah. So a 36-foot boat, foot boat. And I did the Christmas ship raise for a few years, so I was the guy on the Willamette. Uh, and uh, so it was me and my dog living on a boat. Um, and my dad said, you're crazy, buy a house. Right. Boy, am I glad I didn't buy a house back then. Yeah, right? yeah. So I had this boat, and, and you know what happened is vegetable, I'd convert cars to vegetable oil. A good month is when I do two conversions. So this was your job, if you were converting yeah. cars? Okay. Hustling, right? Yeah. Converting cars, buying and selling cars, okay. making enough to, to make a living. Mm-hmm. And uh, paying off my student debt because yeah. I pretty much put myself through college, um, and so I had debt from that, and making enough to make a living, you know, make a living, and pay my health insurance. Um, but what happened was that vegetable oil conversions were waning, and I got a little worried. So I said, I need to get a job. This new eco brew pub was opening up. I saw on Craigslist how this had just popped up. So I get in my car, I run in my car, and I get in and drive as fast as I could to Hopworks. Okay. I was the first busser hired at Hopworks. Interesting. I was the number seven employee hired at that company. So my family says, so you're, you're wiping tables at a bar. Right. I said, I'm a busser at a brew pub. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, so what are you doing? You could be a lab tech at OHS, you could do whatever you want. You have an undergrad degree from a good university and a valuable, it's not a, a, a whatever degree, you can do something with it, make real money. So I'll figure my life out. Had I taken any of those courses, I'd be stuck in those nine to five jobs that didn't afford me the time and energy to creatively choose my own path. 
So working at Hopworks, I was a busser, and for the first time, I, I really love what I did. I put my heart and soul into wiping tables and, and working really hard for very little pay, but I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed the team aspect. Did you view it as kind of like an apprenticeship in this new, like, eco-friendly I space, or just you were just heads down? Head, well, kind of head down. I didn't, see that. I didn't see anything past that. I said, this yeah. is awesome. I still thought at that point I was going to go back to grad school for organic chemistry at that point. Okay. But, you know, every year that passed, I'm like, well, I don't know. And I was converting cars on the side to save up or to, to pay down college debt and all that stuff. And my big break happened where um, the owner of Hot Rocks, Christian, had me convert his car to vegetable oil. Mm. And the Portland Monthly did a two-page spread on this eco-freak. I was called an eco-freak <laughs> converting his, um, the owner's car to vegetable oil and what I was doing. So long story short, to get to kind of more present day, a mechanic found me. who started working together. He said, I'd love to... Learn how to convert cars to vegetable oil. I want to work with you. Okay. And I started doing uh, more of the management and sales relationship building, and he'd be the mechanic. Because I was never that good at conversions. I was good enough to know what I'm doing, but I'm not a mechanic by trade. Okay. Just figure it out. Yeah. And I didn't want to be a mechanic by trade. But just, I remember one day, I don't remember the exact date, but I'm, I'm coming home from, so I worked all day in the, uh, we rented out a garage up in North Portland, a small garage. I worked all day in the garage and all night at Hopworks. I was a bart, I had graduated as a bartender at that point. Um, and I was coming home at like midnight or one. I said, I, I should just write a business plan. And this is 2009. So I downloaded a business plan from the Oregon Secretary of State and, and I'd, I'd read um, the business plan, each section, and then I delete it and rewrite it in my own words. Mm-hmm. Then I get to the financial section. I go, oh, that's what break even means. Okay, delete, rewrite in my own words. Mm-hmm. Oh, numbers? Let's put my numbers, what I think, what happened. So wrote, I wrote this business plan in 09, and I uh, said, I just want to start up a repair shop that fixes cars. I've got a mechanic who can fix normal cars, mm-hmm. converts cars to vegetable oil, and teach it. I said, I want to teach car care classes in the evening mm-hmm. to demystify the experience. And I said, I want to have a women's only class too. Because one other thing that I did in college was I was a surf instructor. So my work study was surf instructor at Santa Cruz. She kind of did it all. Here. Yeah, I, I was there, yeah. Uh, but what was really cool with the women's only class is that um, because there was no other testosterone except for the instructor, me, um, uh, was that they felt more open and free to ask questions and all that. So I, it stuck with me, and I enjoy teaching. Um, and for a while, by the way, I glossed over this. I was a teacher at... Uh, Kaplan test prep centers when I came back, right? So I taught for the SAT and the GRE and the the dental test. Um, So I I had that idea and it was 09 and I shopped to all the banks and they all just kind of, they they would smile and say, so uh, do you have any cash? No. Do you have a house to put up for collateral? No. Uh, They go, well, it's 2000. You know, that's a credit crunch right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, and they said also, uh, it's a kind of non-traditional idea. We don't fund that, right? Car repair inherently is risky. It's like a restaurant. Um, there's a lot of uh, attrition in the industry. Yeah. So I was really bummed. And my next kind of break happened where I went to my friend's wedding in Oceanside on the coast. Mm-hmm. And I was roomed with uh, my bunkmate was Jeanette Caden, who owns Tin Shed, mm-hmm. that breakfast joint up mm-hmm. in Alberta. So, like, after the wedding, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, where I'm, you know, I'm top bunk and it's dark. I'm like, Jeanette, how'd you do it? You started up Tin Shed. I really want to do this. And I'm really bummed. She goes, forget the banks. We started up on credit cards. I said, wow. isn't that dangerous? She goes, yeah, 
but what what do you have to lose? I said, well, what if I go, what if I don't make the payment? She goes, then what do you do? And uh, I go, I go back to bartending. She goes, yeah, and you pay it off in a few years. So I, uh, the next day I said, I resolved, I said, credit card, forget the banks. So I resolved to max out my credit card and, and buy my equipment and fund the startup. As I committed to that, remember the recyclery, that old bike shop? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So they had a big for lease sign on their building. The owner was moving out. Um, he wasn't doing so well. Uh, he had some bad press. Uh, and uh, so I call up the owner. And like I said, that's kind of a rambling story. I call up the owner. Uh, and I said, I'd love to rent the, the place. And he, and he meets with me. And he goes, so you're a startup. You know, I just want a stable tenant in this warehouse. And right. I said, I, I can be that guy. He says, do you have a PNL? And I said, wait, what's a PNL? <laughs> so he didn't really uh, have faith. He goes, you know, let's talk next week. I don't, I have some other people who are vying for it. I don't know. So I'll try to make the story a little shorter. Hopefully you can edit this. No, but, this is great. Because um, this is even before I really started. Right. So at that point, I was really bummed. And that weekend, I was going to visit my brother in Eugene because he was in college still. So I'm hanging out at his frat. This is like mid-September. Okay. Sitting on the couch, I'm like, yeah, man, this guy, I'm bummed. This, my, this guy I want to rent from doesn't really believe in me because I don't have anything. And, and his, his friend sitting next to him goes, my dad owns property down there. And then I go back and uh, meet with a guy. He goes, hey, my son called me. Your, your brother's with, uh, your brother's Kaveh, you know, my brother in Eugene. I go, yeah. He goes, um, so my, my son, Mike Worley, uh, 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 Mike, maybe I shouldn't see his last name. Mike uh, <laughs> is, uh, 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 said, you know, told me that, you know, he met you. I go, yeah. He goes, he goes, you know, I go to Eugene to visit the kids in the frat on Father's Weekends or whatever. And the only guy who comes and sits and talks to me and says hi and is polite and respectful is your brother. You have a very polite family. Um, let me give you the, the mic discount. So he gave me like a discount off the top and he said, move in. He goes, all I care about is the rent. You can do whatever you need to do to make okay. sure the rent gets paid. So wink, wink, you can live there. Interesting. Right? So I rent out my boat and I move into the office. I throw a mattress on the floor. The office is like the size of maybe three of these tables, you know, rectangular I threw a mattress down, and uh, so me and my dog had a very cold winter in 2009. So we moved in October of 2009. So basically you had a friend of your brother vouch for you. <laughs> it's, it sounds like it's a very Portland story, right? This kind of ethos of, yeah. that's great. And so that was your first location. That's my first location. So I lived there. Yeah. And then I worked nights and weekends at Hopbrooks and all day in the shop. And I thought I'd open my doors and have people just pouring in. Yeah. And I learned School of Hard Knocks. Oh, you got a market. Oh, all this other stuff mm -hmm. that I didn't know. I didn't know much. Mm -hmm. All our equipment, I, I maxed up for a couple shop equipment things. I went to Goodwill for everything else. Our counter was a bar top. I found at Goodwill and just put it there. Yeah. Couches from Goodwill and just, it was a hangout kind of spot. Yeah. But I always committed to environmental friendly, customer service, like above and beyond, take care of the customer. Mm -hmm. um, so people would come in and they'd, they'd see this weird kind of, Almost a flop house look, right. but with awesome service. Like I'd bike right out and pick up cars for people, like mm. just anything I could. And it was me and one mechanic, then me and two mechanics, then a person at the front desk, and I just kind of kept growing it. But my commitment to that was really key to inspiring the loyalty, and people saw us growing. I noticed that people enjoyed watching us add that next bit of equipment, add paint, add new whatever fixtures or all that stuff. 
Well, I want to get into the kind of the vision of where you want it to go, but also, you know, we were talking before we started recording. You're part of EO here in town. You were, you know, you were 40 under 40. I don't know. It was a year ago for Portland Business Journal. And so you kind of in this, you've been around, you're in this EO's kind of, you know, entrepreneurs, but a lot of them are tech and you, it's totally, you ever yeah, I love yeah. being amongst people who are not in my industry. Yeah. Our industry sucks. It's a bunch of ex-mechanics who right. fell into ownership and they did it the same way, right? Yeah. So uh, one, 40 under 40 was really cool. It was really nice to get that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm involved with Metro Family Service. I'm on the board. Okay. So they're the ones who nominated me. So I try to be active in the community. I always have community events at the shop, yeah. fundraisers. Um, those double as promotion, uh, marketing yeah. for us. But we do that because we try to do right by people, and then what happens is we, we get it back. Always give before you receive. Um, so that was cool. The 40 under 40 is really exciting to be a part of, and it's also kind of like a feather in the cap. It's sort of proof point that I'm going the right direction. But EO is really cool because I get to be around other people who think they're in different industries, and a lot of them are in tech. Well, our shop, as we've morphed and grown, I've always wanted to advance on the chaos and darkness that is car repair, yeah. right? The black box that mechanics, right? So, um, but what I uh, what I what I got out of EO, one of the big things, and it, for for my business, a takeaway, other than the support structure and making new friends and in uh, in 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 uh, industries that I want to learn about and uh, people who are interesting and 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 very uh, inquisitive about business, is that. Over a couple of years, I started seeing the tech model, the software as a service model, how they're selling a, the end result, not the steps in between. So historically, car repair sells labor hours. Hey, this will be three hours. Three hours times our shop rate plus parts is your cost. That's a cost basis. And I've really wanted to advance on that and start selling the product. The product is a car that runs, right? So instead, what if it's... Uh, you know, one, we started fixed pricing. This is what it costs. Now, whether it's uh, two hours of labor or 15 hours of labor, it's still this cost. we got to manage our But the next step is the membership program. So it's been really successful. I created this little like uh, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of car care. At the bottom is oil changes and filters and all that stuff. The next level is like brakes, tires, whatever. The next level is like diagnostic and electrical work. And then the top is a self-actualized car. Okay? <laughs> and you can't move up until you take care of the bottom. And each one of those pieces needs to have predictability and cost and um, a reduction in decision-making. Because if I go, hey, Dan, um, you know, uh, your, uh, your valve cover gasket's leaking, you'll likely say, well, what's a valve cover gasket? Is it important? What is it, right? What if I just go, Dan, just, you know, well, your car will run, and it won't leak, and it's going to be great. Okay? So instead of you paying me 300 bucks for this one thing, 500 bucks for something else that we sell you, okay, it's a sales-based. And I think a good sale is very important. It's education, all that stuff, right? right? Doctors do it. Dentists do it. Mechanics do it. Plumbers do it. Everyone does it. But the next paradigm that we're going towards is that instead of selling you something, get you on our program, and then make sure that you always have something that works. And forget about selling and start worrying about serving. Right. Okay? So our, our base oil change program, instead of the, the cheap oil change like Jiffy Lube or whatever else, you come in for a $30 oil change, they upsell you a bunch of stuff, yeah. you leave spending 70 bucks, you don't know what you need. We say 15 bucks a month. We t tell you $15 a month, come in whenever you want. Okay. And we will take care of all the basics. So oil change, 
filters, wipers, bulbs, all those things that people sell you at high margins, we just take care of for 15 bucks a month. I love that. So, yeah. so you've, you know, a couple of things that more I want to cover is yeah. your vision for your business. You have a couple of locations now, and uh, but also we'll get into about Portland. We kind of chatted. Before, yeah, I'm sorry I keep talking. No, this is great. So what is kind of now you've been around, you know, eight years? Yeah. Years, um, you have two locations. And what's kind of next steps? What do you, what do you, what's your vision for? Growing? For the shop? Yeah. You know, so I feel like it took me a few years to get to a platform to actually launch, right? Yeah. I, all the things that were really important to me, environmental, being a B corporation, mm-hmm. uh, taking care of the staff so everyone has full benefits, paid time off, 401k, all that stuff. So now we're at almost ground zero, I think. Maybe ground zero is the wrong word, but a platform, right, mm-hmm. where we can launch. Two things that I think are really uh, big opportunities. One, most oh. repair shops have owners that are near retirement age, okay? And they're still stuck in the old way. There's this huge shift or this huge disparity between what the market really wants and where car repair is stuck. Mm -hmm. So we can go in and instead of building from zero, we can go in and rebrand and bring in our processes. Mm -hmm. But the other really exciting thing, I think, is the membership platform. Yeah. So aside from that, I think that being able to bring more people onto this platform where they just have a car that runs, because we have our base level uh, service, but in the next six months to 12 months, we're going to have our full total car care okay. where you're paying like 100 bucks a month and your car's covered mm-hmm. for everything, right? And we just provide a value and make sure that your car just runs mm-hmm. and we manage your car for you. So having that platform, I think, is a bigger opportunity and it has an opportunity to really scale big. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think... You know, that's where I'm going to start focusing more because the other stuff will happen. We'll start to grow. We're going to go to Beaverton. We're going okay. to go to Vancouver um, and, and open more shops to fulfill on demand. But to create a pipeline on a business side mm-hmm. is to ra- radically uh, change the way car care, car repair is consumed. Mm-hmm. And it's the membership model. I love that. Yeah. So that's where I want to go mm-hmm. and to bring how we do things, our B Corp mentality, our, st- our taking care of our staff and the community mm-hmm. and, and uh, uh, forward and letting go of that old school, high pressure sale, mm-hmm. uh, all that stuff. Determination of coming in. So, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, in Portland, B Corp wise, there seems like there's so many here, but it's still such a rarity. That's great. It's tough to achieve that status. Yeah. There's a lot goes into it. I was talking you know, talking to Janelle Isaacson and their B Corp and she was telling me a little about it. So she was the inspiration to get the B Corp. That's great. Yeah. Uh, we'll shift gears a little bit and want to talk about Portland and you know, you have this great story of really bootstrapping your company. Um, you're in EO. So you see some companies that go the other way and get investment. And as far as Portland is a, a place to do business and as it's changing and growing, always love to ask this question in this podcast. And what are your thoughts on that pros and cons? You grew up here, so you've seen a lot of change. Like there's a lot of opportunity here. I think, uh, I think there's a report that came out just yesterday from Portland state on the new kind of population, uh, increase. Yeah. Uh, and we're obviously people surprised how many folks are moving here. So you know, what, what's your thoughts about doing business here? I think it's really, you know, if I, if I did this anywhere else, I don't think I would have made it the way I wouldn't have been as successful initially because Portland's cosmopolitan enough to accept something new and different. They'll try new things. Yeah. However, the cost of entry for me was $30,000 credit card. Right. If it were in San Francisco, that wouldn't work. Um, so that's really cool. And it's still there. The business climate, I think, um, 
it, to me, it's really exciting because, so I kind of came of age during Portland's like heyday, yeah. right? Yeah. So I still remember last Thursdays without curfews. I remember uh, kind of the end of grunge and the beginning of millennials and all that stuff. And um, you know, I lived on Mississippi before all those towers went up. And I remember the clown house in Alberta. And I remember Hawthorne when it was Hawthorne. And uh, people thought I was the, they'd ask me if I knew where to find mushrooms. And I didn't. <laughs> uh, and, and Division Street when it was just right. had a bunch of dives. So I remember all that, but there's a lot of people who lament that. They say, oh, but it's not what it once was. But then I think, well, what was it 15 years ago? People were saying, oh, it wasn't what it was 15 years ago. Right. But what's really cool about Portland is that it's consciously growing. So the city, for, for better or worse, I mean, or for all its faults, is wanting to consciously grow. And yes, Portland's grown up, but I feel like it's a, as a person, Portland was a, a, a sophomoric or a, soph- a sophomore yeah. age or whatever, yeah. like teenager in 2011, 2010, okay? Now it's mid-20s, and it's time to get serious and to actually make a living. So a lot of, you know, some people have to move away because they wanted Portland to be the place where they could, you know, work a minimum wage job and still afford uh, an apartment close in. And it's not like that. Um, But I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's that it's just grown up and it's appealing to a different subset. Um, so yeah, I think Portland's refining and I think it's Portland is San Francisco 20 years ago. All the small little neighborhoods are becoming caricatures of themselves. Right. Um, so I don't think it's a bad thing. And I think for business, there's still a lot of opportunity and you know, you got like salt and straw made it big, little big burger, just kicked ass. And now you've got like the new age companies Instead of them being makers, like, you know, creating craft ice cream or a funky new burger or, you know, car repair that's funky and all that stuff. The ones that actually made it refined to where they have a service that's predictable, right? So for, for Green Drop, we, we never wanted to be that funky hole-in-the-wall shop. Right. We wanted to bring that and actually it's, it's kind of like a New Seasons model where there's the food co-ops. There's only four food co-ops in town mm-hmm. and you conform to the food co-op. It's dogmatic. But then nuisance came along and gave you that feeling on a pragmatic level where you, they, they conform to you. They give you what you want, but they nudge you towards environmental friendliness. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then now what's cool is that there's tech is following us, right? It's all these bigger investments are coming mm-hmm. in. And mm-hmm. you see the bigger companies um, in Portland and towards Hillsboro yeah. coming in because they all want that Portland culture. And I grew up in Beaverton. I knew what it used to be. Everyone now wants to be Portland, right? Beaverton has, uh, is hungry for the culture that is in Portland, but they can't make it over because Highway 26 and 217 are just so jam-packed all the time. You know, so, so Beaverton is making some big strides. So I think that culture is good. It's refined. It's gone from this explosion of energy that's going all sorts of directions and becoming more refined and giving it direction. To where, and it's still the last affordable city on the West Coast. Yeah, definitely. And what I love about you mentioned folks like you know, Salt and Straw and Kim Malik and all these people that they're obviously still growing their companies, but they're going to reinvest in here and other entrepreneurs. So I'm excited for that next wave. Yeah. Too. And maybe you, when you, you know, start investing in other. Yeah, we'll see. So. And living rooms up there too. They took the old yeah. model of, of, of real estate yeah. and, and they, they brought in, they're called living room, not 
last name of principal broker, right? So <laughs> yes. all those things, you know, just you, you just make give it a twist, and, and then she's reinvesting in, in the community as well. So. Yeah. Well, Farad, I really you know enjoyed sitting down with you, and I think uh, well, I'm excited you. for your business. Uh, great to kind of touch base next year and see where you're at, and appreciate your thoughts in Portland. So thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, would love to. Yeah, thank you so much.